chapter in this epic prophecy by Isaiah. It's been a bit of a journey. It's over a year, I think. All of the sermons are on the back catalogue on the website. If you choose to revisit and re-journey through Isaiah, we're not yet sure what we're going to do in the evenings. Ooh, exciting. What's been in store? I think David's preaching next week. Stacy, Stacy, who works in Central Asia, and uh, it's always a joy to hear from her. And Dave Sylvester the following week, and then me again. The end of the month. Ah, how time flies. So this is what the Lord says: Heaven is my throne, and the earth is my footstool. Great picture, isn't it? ball in space. Footstool. Where is the house you will build for me? Where will my resting place be? Has not my hand made all these things? And so they came into being, declares the Lord. Those, these are the ones I look on with favor. Those who are humble and contrite in spirit and who tremble at my word. But whoever sacrifices a bull is like one who kills a person. Whoever offers a lamb is like one who breaks a dog's neck. Whoever makes a grain offering is like one who presents pig's blood. And whoever burns memorial incense is like the one who worships an idol. They have chosen their own ways and they delight in their abominations. So I also will choose harsh treatment for them and will bring on them what they dread for when I called, no one answered. When I spoke, no one listened. They did evil in my sight and chose what displeases me. Hear the word of the Lord. You who tremble at his words, your own people who hate you and exclude you because of my name, have said, let the Lord be glorified, that we may see your joy, yet they will be put to shame. Hear that uproar from the city, hear that noise from the temple. It is the sound of the Lord repaying his enemies all they deserve. Before she goes into labor, she gives birth. Before the pains come upon her, she delivers a son. Who has ever heard of such things? Who has ever seen such things like this? Can a country be born in a day or a nation be brought forth in a moment? Yet, no sooner is Zion in labor than she gives birth to her children. Do I bring the moment of birth and not give delivery, says the Lord? Do I close up the womb when I bring to delivery, says your God? Rejoice with Jerusalem and be glad for her. All you who love her, greatly rejo- rejoice greatly with her. All you who mourn over her, for you will nurse and be satisfied At her comforting breasts, you will drink deeply and delight in her overflowing abundance. For this is what the Lord says. I will extend peace to her like a river and wealth of nations like a flooding stream. You will nurse and be carried on her arm and dandled on her knees. But you were dandled, dandled on her knees. As a mother comforts a child, so I will comfort you, and you will be comforted over Jerusalem. 
When you see this, your heart will rejoice. And you will flourish like grass. The hand of the Lord will be made known to his servants, but his fury will be shown to his foes. See, the Lord is coming with fire and his chariots are like whirlwinds. He will bring down his anger with fury and his rebuke with flames of fire. For with fire and with with his sword, the Lord will execute judgment on all people. And many will, will be those slain by the Lord. Those who consecrate and purify themselves to go into the gardens following one who is among those who eat the flesh of pigs, rats, and other unclean things, they will meet their end together with the one they follow, declares the Lord. And I, because of what they have planned and done, am about to come and gather the peoples of all nations and languages and see they will come and see my glory. I will set a sign among them and I will send some of those who survive to the nations, to Tarshish, to the Libyans and the Lydians, famous as archers, and Tubal and Greece and and to the distant islands that have not heard uh, of my fame or seen my glory. They will proclaim my glory among the nations and they will bring all your people from all the nations to my holy mountain in Jerusalem as an offering to the Lord. On horses, in chariots and wagons and on mules and camels, says the Lord. They will bring them As the Israelites bring their grain offerings to the temple of the Lord in ceremonially clean vessels. And I will select some of them also to be priests and Levites, says the Lord. As the new heavens and the new earth that I will make will endure before me, declares the Lord. So will your name and descendants endure. From one new moon to another and from one Sabbath to another, all mankind will come and bow down before me, says the Lord. And they will go out and look on the dead bodies of those who rebelled against me. The worms that eat them will not die. The fire that burns them will not be quenched. And they will be loathsome to all mankind. What an ending. It's a bit Shakespearean, isn't it? What an ending. Isaiah is an astonishing prophecy. Its scope and its magnitude, not only in its era and the span of time that it covers, but deeply piercing the charade or or the, the imagination of what God is like. God, as I said at the start of the service, our Father reveals himself, speaks through the prophets and most fully in Jesus Christ. Isaiah has shown us that God is, is a gracious God. He reveals and shows his will and he is always kind. The very fact that we're reading this prophecy, even though there seems to be from time to time and there are some harsh and challenging words, it is still God revealing himself, still God speaking and showing and declaring and giving the grace for us to hear and respond faithfully his revelation. And why? To cause us to believe. Why to cause us to trust? Why to cause us to say, yes, this is the word of the Lord. I will believe. I will decide.
One commentator said this about Isaiah in summing up. He said, we do not have an eternity to decide how we're going to spend eternity. I like that. We don't have eternity to decide how we're going to spend eternity. The reason the Lord prophesies, the reason the Lord reveals, the reason Jesus comes to cause us to see and hear and choose. To choose him freely, willingly, faithfully. Or not. And he reveals because, and he speaks, and and though this seems a challenge, he does so because we have a real choice. That much of Isaiah has spoken that following the ways that aren't of God leads to destruction, leads to difficulty, leads to judgment, leads to separation from God, to judgment. But God isn't a tyrant. He prophesies and says, though this is the direction of your travel, and I will tell you where it will end up. In fact, the very last words, and they will go out and look on dead bodies of those who rebelled against me. The worms that eat them will not die. What a horrible, scary thought. Everlasting worms. They won't die because they're always eating. But, and the fire that burns them will not be quenched. And they will be loathsome to all mankind. Why would you choose that? It's really interesting as we just conclude Isaiah. That that Jesus quotes this very last verse. When he talks about Gehenna. When he talks about those who will be thrown outside into eternal fire. For they have rejected the Father. It's not that God wants and wills and determines, you're bad, you must go there. But he reveals and calls out by name to each one of us, such that we should turn and find a new destiny, a new choice, a new life. Make the right choice. I I hope you have your Bibles to hand. I'm going to be, um, Alan won't be able to keep up on the desk. Apologize about that. If you have devices or paper, or just listen to this, but I just want to cover a few things about making the right choice. It's been replete and, and within the whole of the book. In chapter 65, just the chapter before, verses 13 and into 14, this is what the sovereign Lord says. My servants will eat, but you will go hungry. My servants will drink, but you will go thirsty. My servants will rejoice, but you will be put to shame. My servants will sing out of the joy of their hearts but you will cry out from the anguish of your heart and wail in brokenness of spirit. In other words, Isaiah is saying there are are two ways. We live in this pluralistic society and a kind of pick and mix uh, philosophy and and, um, it's not to say we haven't anything to learn from any other places. But but when we read the scriptures, it, it is brutally harsh often about talking about either ors. There are many both ands, but in terms of sheep and goats, life or death, light and darkness, of being in the kingdom or outside. It's binary. To trust in the living God or not. And Isaiah, in many ways, uh, oracles to the nations, Words to rulers and kings in authority. 
and indeed to the very people like you and I. Which way? Which choice? Decide. Do you remember one of those popular uh, ITV programs? They tried to revive it. It wasn't quite as popular. Who Wants to Be a Millionaire? Chris Tarrant, those good old days. When it launched on the scene, you can win a million pounds in answering 11 questions, I think it was, or nine, something like that. Remember it? And uh, the opening questions were always super, super easy, but you just had to watch yourself that you didn't get caught out and be lost, lost on that first round. But very quickly, the, the questions get a little bit tougher uh, and move from general knowledge to, to quite specific things. If you knew your Bible, you always did well, I noticed, because lots of people didn't. They were the tough questions. Uh, there was always a biblical one in there. And then they got to the really naughty ones, the really difficult ones, the million dollar question. But along the way, as Chris Tarrant would sit in the chair, it was one of those kind of slightly annoying game shows because at the moment of Jeopardy, it's another game show, but I don't mean that one. At the moment when it got really tough, they'd say, and now let's go to a break and we'll come back in a minute and see uh, who's won. But there's that moment on the way, it wasn't like a lot of other quiz shows, that it always seemed to be stacked kind of in favour of the contestant, the one in the hot seat. So on the screen, they'd have their answers. I think it was A, B, C, D, wasn't it? It was just a choice of four. If you didn't watch the programme, sorry. <laughs> but Chris Tarrant would, would say, what is the answer to this particular question? Is it A, B, C, D? And the contestant would be able to think for a moment. And ponder, and they'd have an, even a little bit of dialogue, and they'd go, oh, I'm certain about this, or they'd go, oh, I'm not so sure about it. I think it might be this. And Chris would go, are you really sure? And some of them, if they were ultra-confident, would go, yes, that's it. And they'd kind of, the light would change colour, and they'd say, that's locked, that's your answer. And the great reveal, have they progressed or gone? But along the way, I don't know if you remember, in those sort of, at these moments, they were allowed three lifelines. Phone a friend, 50-50, or ask the audience. I never liked ask the audience because they all wanted to be on it, so they'd be like, give you the right answer. Wrong answer, maybe. But it always seemed like it was stacked in the contestants' favour. Every opportunity, every moment to sort of say, we really want you to progress. We really want you to understand we can, we can cut out two, two of the wrong answers, leaving one right, one wrong. I mean, that's a pretty good odd, isn't it? And even then, you can ask, you can phone a friend, and I hope you've got a smart friend to phone. <laughs> you might know something about this. And even then, you can ask the audience if you got really stuck. But there came that moment when a choice must be made a decision, is that your final answer? And you could change it, even at the last minute. Is that your final answer? Yes. Are you sure? You're definite? Yes. Again, another opportunity. And so at some point, the decision becomes locked. Isaiah, in many ways, is Tarrant. That's not blasphemous. Again and again, God, through his prophet, is saying, are you really sure? 
Have you really heard? Are you really trusting in my word? Have you really got this conception that I'm bigger and greater than you think? Are you so sure that you're going to trust your life in, in directions and with, with sages and wisdom from those who've just been around? Or are you going to trust the ancient of days? Are you going to trust the one who prophetically speaks, not just prophecy into the day and it was proved in the prophet's lifetime, but prophecy that was determined and and came to pass hundreds of years later in the coming of Jesus? Will you trust this one? Who couldn't have predicted it like a fortune teller, but by the revelation of the one who knows every age? Are you going to really uh, make your decision about eternity and what is right and wrong based on those who've uh, just kind of muddled along and thought some good thoughts? Or actually, are you going to trust the one who's seen the other side of eternity, who knows how the heavens are constructed and how the earth is, and who holds life and death and life in his hands? Ultimately pointing, as we've seen again and again, to the risen, uh, to the Messiah, Jesus Christ, who lived and taught And died and rose again and said, trust in me, follow me, I'm the Messiah Isaiah spoke of. Where's your decision? I mean, if you need to phone a friend, phone a friend. Make it a Christian one. (laughs) I mean, they'll be biased, but biased the right way. I mean, ask the audience. If you're not believing or you're uncertain of whether this life of following Jesus Christ is worthwhile. Take time to talk to a follower here. Don't leave it to 50-50. Because there comes a point that we don't have eternity to decide how we're going to spend eternity. Isaiah, in this final chapter, has some amazing things to say, but before I, I just cover finally w- what it's speaking, I just want to remind us of the vast scope and the truth on which we base ourselves. If you want an evidence or a proof about whether the, the greater things should be listened to, think of how accurate Isaiah was. 700 years before Jesus came, and he spoke of the birth of Jesus. Chapter 66, verse 18. And I, because of what you have planned and done, am about to come and gather the peoples of all nations and languages, and they will see my glory. The Isaiah, in his final chapters, prophesying about Jesus, whose name has been preached and is being taken to every part of this planet. But it comes true, in 5 BC they got the dating a little bit wrong. In the coming of Jesus Christ. In chapter 7, verse 14, this is where we do a little bit of uh, Bible gymnastics, but in Isaiah. In chapter 7, verse 14, this is what the prophet declares. Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son. And you 
We'll call him Emmanuel. We're not that far from Christmas again. But we read this text every Christmas that Isaiah prophesied 700 years about the coming of God with us. The sign, the declaration, the statement. The Lord saves. In chapter 11, verse 1, a shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse. From his roots, a branch will bear fruit. The spirit of the Lord will rest upon him. The spirit of wisdom and understanding, the counsel, spirit of might and counsel, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. And he will delight in the fear of the Lord. And we hear in those opening salvos in Matthew and Luke that the coming of Jesus fulfilled of David's line, of the stump or the root of Jesse. In Isaiah 66, verse 7, there's this sudden birth uh, that that, uh, happens in in Bethlehem. We're told in Isaiah chapter 9, verses 1 to 7, uh, that we're told, uh, Nevertheless, there will be no more gloom for those who are in distress. In the past, he humbled the land of Zebulun, the land of Naphtali, but in the future, he will honor Galilee of the nations. Does that ring any bells? Galilee will be honored, funny little backwater, by the way of the sea beyond the Jordan. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light, and those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. Isaiah spoke it. He speaks of how Jesus would be apprenticed in obscurity in chapter 49. He speaks of how Jesus would be uh, baptized by John the Baptist, chapter 40. And at his baptism, chapter 61, verses 1 to 3, we we read uh, this wonderful um, phrase that we hear as the manifesto of Jesus. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from uh, from the darkness for prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Hallelujah. The words Jesus read in Isaiah in that day in the synagogue and said, today this is fulfilled in your hearing. And it wasn't fake news. And it wasn't hyperbole. Because any fair inquirer reading the stories of Jesus would say, yeah, he's good news to the poor. He binds up the brokenhearted. He proclaims and declares freedom for the captives and releases not only those who are blind from darkness, but the prisoners who are kept by religion and false gods again and again and again. Can you see how certain we can be in trusting the God Isaiah declares? He speaks of the ministry of Jesus, chapter 40 of Isaiah, uh, 29 to 31. He speaks of what the Messiah will do. Uh, Chapter 40, verse 29 to 31. Uh, He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary and young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on eagles, uh, soar on wings like eagles and they will run and not go weary. They will walk and not grow faint. He will be with the weary 
and the lowly. He will care for the damaged and the hurting, chapter 42. Chapter 35. I told you it's Bible gymnastics tonight. We've mentioned these in passing, but it's good just to carry out in this at some point. Isaiah 35, 5 to 6. Then the eyes of the blind will be opened, the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then will the lame leap like a deer and the mute tongue shout for joy. Hallelujah. I, I met at New Wine this week, a lady called Anne. I met Anne a number of years ago. She's been to speak at a Philia event. At a New Wine about five years ago, I think it was four or five years ago. She, she came blind, registered blind, was talking to the guide dogs for the blind, for a, a guide dog. And uh, in a meeting, the Lord restored her sight. She was registered blind. And her, you know, she was totally overcome. And uh, she, she'd only ever heard her pastor's voice, which comes from Exeter. Um, and as she was walking back to the campsite after that meeting, she, she recognized the pastor because of the voice, but it was the first time she'd ever seen him. And she went, oh, you're a handsome devil, aren't you? <laughs> she was like, I can't say that. <laughs> you know, I, uh, she came to the site, and, and her eyes are just as well as they were on that day when she received the sight. She had the awkwardness of writing to the uh, R&ID, no, wherever the blind one is, saying, I don't need a guide dog. I'm cancelling her benefits. Jesus heals her. He heals, restores sight, opens ears, releases tongues to speak, and lets the lame leap for joy. And the scope is so, so wide to the nations, to the Gentiles. That was caught up in the, the final verses of chapter 66, but, but also in Isaiah 11 and 49. Highway will come of many peoples through the saving work of the Messiah. The intention of God. It's spoken of his birth in Isaiah. It's spoken of the ministry of the Messiah, the Christ. It speaks, Isaiah prophesies and causes us to choose and trust in the God that they were hearing of then and there in Babylon and under the oppressive rulers and in a time when everything seemed uncertain and settled. But he also pointed to a hopeful day when God would intervene. God, Emmanuel, would come. And he also spoke about the manner of his death. Isaiah 53, verse 7. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he didn't open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep, is, and as a sheep before its shearers is silent. So he did not open his mouth. Read the gospel stories, and you'll see how Jesus fulfilled that under the most brutal punishments. Chapter 50, verse 6. I offered my back to those who beat me, my cheeks to those who pulled out my beard. I did not hide my face from mocking and spitting. Again, read the gospel accounts of the death, the arrest, and the torture of Jesus. 53.5, but he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. 
And the punishment that brought us peace was upon him, and by his wounds we are healed. And in 53 verse 9, he was assigned a grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death, though he had done no violence, nor was any deceit in his mouth. Remember, this is 700 years before Jesus. Sometimes people say Jesus could, you know, concoct the scenario to fit the evidence. It's a big ask. You can't even manufacture the date of your own birth, can you, and where you'll be born. But the Lord did. And Isaiah wonderfully also speaks of resurrection life. Yet it was the Lord's will to crush him, to cause him to suffer. And though the Lord makes his life as a sin offering, he will see his offspring and prolong his days. And the will of the Lord will prosper his hand. After he has suffered, he will see the light of life and be satisfied. By his knowledge, my righteous servant will justify many. And he will bear their iniquities. Therefore, I will give him a portion among the great and he will divide the spoils of the strong. Because he poured out his life unto death and was numbered with the transgressors. He bore the sins of many. Isaiah's scope and call for us to make this choice. Choose the Lord. For the entire prophecy is that calling back Come to him, trust him, stand on his word, stand in solidarity with the prophet Isaiah and the countless prophets and saints who have lived with us, who have found this word to be dependable and sure. This revelation of God who is holy and sovereign, who is strong, who is close. Choose him. Choose him. As Isaiah closes in chapter 56, he, he, he sums up some of the, the major themes in that. I'm nearly finished. He sums up and says, in the coming of what God has planned in choosing him, a day will come when he will fill you with his spirit, no longer located in the temple in Jerusalem but close and abiding with each one. Chapter 66, verse 1. Heaven is my throne and earth is my footstool. Where is the house you will build for me? Where will my resting place be? It's the irony of saying, well, it's in the temple, but the whole earth is his footstool. How can you contain God in a temple? You can't. But, those, these are the ones I look on with favor. Those who are humble and contrite in spirit, who tremble at my word. He uses imagery that he's picked up uh, before in chapter 1 about uh, sacrifice, inappropriate sacrifice, sacrifice that doesn't actually mean anything. But actually the focus is those who are humble and contrite, who accept and trust in the word.
those who tremble at his words. Not just seeing it as an opinion, but who trust. He's gone through, and, and in 66, 7 to 11, he talks about the negatives of rejecting God. But he also talks about the positives. He will draw close. It will be like being nurtured as a young infant at the comforting breasts where they can drink deeply. I preached two weeks ago and said the, le- the language and the imagery of Isaiah and Hebrew is strong. Isaiah has offered you a vision of heaven and of hell. Isaiah has focused on a vision of salvation or eternity without him. And Isaiah sums up and talks about the glory of a new creation and also the destruction of the old. Which will you choose? I don't say that as a threat. But in the one who seeks to reveal and give clarity and say, come, come and worship, come and live. As we sum up and finish Isaiah, it's just worthwhile remembering the prophecy and the account of Isaiah the prophet himself in chapter 6. He was caught up in a vision and he he saw the, the throne room in heaven. And he heard the angels, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And he said, woe to me, I'm of unclean lips. He knew he would die, he fell on his face. And the Lord sent a mediator, an angel with a coal and touched his lips, cleansed him. And the Lord asked a question, whom shall I send? And Isaiah said, here I am, send me. And that wonderful cameo, that wonderful scene in the heavenlies as Isaiah encounters the almighty Holy One. Sees him enthroned in all eternity, in all creation, no one else. He is the Lord, he is living and all powerful. And he goes through every response of every human being in his presence to fall aside, to fall down in fear and say, I am unworthy. I'm so far from clean. I've spoken badly. My heart's inclined the wrong way. My life's messed up. And God sends in Jesus Christ, as we've seen, the one who will take away all sin. And lifts Isaiah to his feet in the presence of God, says, you now know me, you're hearing me. Whom shall I send? Send where? To be the mouthpiece and the spokesperson and the one who lives amongst the people, saying, choose Jesus. Choose the Lord. Here I am. Send me. Let's pray. Jesus, we, well, I I used to watch Who Wants to Be a Millionaire and think, gosh, a million pounds, what a prize. But it is small change compared to the value of what you hold out life to us. 
riches beyond compare. And I don't just mean material. But of being at peace and made whole, being gifted eternal life, that which money couldn't even buy, couldn't even begin even to pay a down payment. Thank you, even this evening, for the opportunity to choose life. To re-choose and trust in your word. Sorry for any doubts. Sorry for any hesitation. Thank you for your grace upon grace, which extends this offer again. Choose life. Here we are. I thank you, Lord, for the vision and scope depth and challenge and the way the vision of of God that Isaiah has spoken of because he knew you, he'd seen you shatters all our expectations and confounds all the ways our world concocts religion we know you because you've revealed yourself and you sent your son and I thank you for his living out the prophetic vision And of what that looks like. Of hope for the poor. Of recreation of everything that is broken and marred. And fractured and stale and odorous. And thank you for the extent of the invitation. To the furthest parts around this globe. To the worst and the best of us. But still come to Jesus. And I thank you for the reminder in this day of uncertainty and of how we're at the sharp end of so many decisions both that hurt us economically of so many who are on the, the sharp end of guns and bombs and violence and intimidation. They are not the last word. They are not almighty. And we are not helpless nor forgotten. I pray something of this prophecy from Isaiah would lodge deeply within each one of us to bring reassurance and resoluteness and strength in whatever may come. And here we are, senders as worshippers, senders as heralds and co-laborers like Isaiah who would point others To worship holy, holy, holy God. And to know him through his son. Empowered and strengthened and filled by your wondrous spirit. In Jesus' name.